0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Detox Podcast. I'm Denise Walker, your host. This is episode, I think, 57, and it's called Shatter. And this is the one I've been alluding to for quite some time about post-acute withdrawal syndrome. I know we've talked about it in the past quite a bit, uh, but this is the one that I really wanted to drive it home with. I'm really excited get into it i think it's going to be a really good one i hope you really like it i hope there's lots of good little nuggets in here for you um if you're looking for a copy of pick your poison you can buy one on amazon uh, pick your poison volume one or volume two or you can head to my website denisewalkerspeaks.com where there's even an option uh, for a signed author copy Uh, if you go through my website. Plus, if you live in Edmonton, you can come pick it up for me and you don't have to pay for shipping, which is awesome. Uh, yeah, if, if you're interested in the meditation class this month, we've got a full schedule up for our Lucid Yoga Collective that I'm a part of. Uh, you can head to lucidyoga.ca to find the schedule. I've got three more classes for the, for the month. Um, one on tomorrow. Technically, uh, Thursday the 12th at 7.30 p.m. Then the next Thursday, the 19th, 7.30 p.m. as well. And then on Sunday, the 22nd at 8 p.m. And then that week, I head to uh, Costa Mesa, California to hang out with Chef Mimi Rose. We're collaborating on uh, a poetry and food workshop. Like, could it couldn't get any better. Private chef making you food based off of the poetry that we write together under the Californian sun like I don't I don't know how it gets any better than that so if you are in the area want to check it out uh there's tickets on Eventbrite you can find uh access to that through my website again denisewalkerspeaks.com and yeah uh, I'm so excited okay Let's dive into this one. It's called Shatter. Did I tell you how easy each morning is? How I feel like one of those Cosmo girls. Braless, white t-shirt, baby blue panties, manicured fingers ready to tousle my perfect bedhead dirty blonde hair as I fry eggs and sausage for us, coffee in one hand and a cheeky smile in the other. Have you noticed how short-lived that is? How the accidental drop of a knife or the TV turned up too loud breaks me? Can you tell that I walk through noon with a bomb strapped to my chest, countdown timer screaming in my ears, where the only safety is found sunken in ambient sounds and absolute stillness? Before this, I feared boredom. What would I do with all my time? Have I told you boredom no longer exists? That every moment of my day is a battle for balance? I'll avoid conversation. I'll avoid the outdoors. I'm certain that if the sun were to slip behind a cloud, that would be enough for this vest to... Well, if I explode, you explode too. Mm, I love this one. I love it. Huh. Because it just like, oh, all in just like one little nutshell, I feel like that is post-acute withdrawal syndrome. You wake up, everything is beautiful, you're just like ecstatic to be alive and not hungover and just feel it amazing. Every cell in your body feels like a firework and you are so ready to get the day started and enjoy the simple things in life, you know? Like I look amazing because I feel amazing. My hair somehow is just perfect after waking up. And I feel like one of those Cosmo girls with uh, just a t-shirt and panties. And I look perfect. And like, ooh, I'm going to just fry up some eggs and drink this coffee. And it's going to be amazing. And then you're chopping up your green onions or tomatoes. And the knife hits the floor. And it breaks you breaks me. That perfect little bubble of ecstatic, amazing energy has just burst. And it is, it's shattered all over me. And those shattered pieces of fantasticness are sharp and they are cutting me. And everything is wrong. Everything is ruined, breakfast is ruined. I can remember a specific time where I was making breakfast in our apartment and I dropped a knife and at the same time, the TV was on because my boyfriend was watching football or something. And just the sound versus the action of the knife hitting the ground, the sound of that, it's so simple. It's so little. That shouldn't even phase anybody. Walking around today, two-plus years into recovery, I, that wouldn't even, it wouldn't do anything, right? Like you would just pick the knife up, you'd wash it off, and you'd carry on. But in that moment, because your emotional state is so raw, your, your ability to maintain homeostasis within your body and your mind is so fragile that the simple thing of just like a little bit too much background noise plus this accidental mistake that should be nothing but as everything is annihilating. And then you're trying to fix it, right? You're trying to get back to normal. You're trying to get back to that amazing, almost manic happiness that you were feeling only one second prior. You're trying so hard to, to figure out how the hell you could go from one extreme to the other in a matter of a blink of an eye. How do you get back? How do you get back to that amazing feeling you were just having? And so, you hold your tongue. And you repeat to yourself, It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Don't explode. Don't explode. Don't freak out. Don't freak out because all you want to do is freak out. And on the inside, you're having this colossal meltdown and everything is wrong. And you have this murderous turmoil, rage that is just churning on the inside and it is fighting so hard to get out and to spill all over your life. But you're like, Kate, this is just it's just it's just a knife falling on the floor. It's just the TV. What it like and the only way to try to soothe yourself is is to have complete stillness where there is no TV in the background. There's nothing that can fall and clatter on the ground. There's nothing. You have to take away everything. they turn the lights off. I, I mentioned ambient sound, like there's a million playlists on Spotify that I would turn to and just have this ambient sound because silence almost was was painful. But the wrong sounds were painful. And so if, if that was a balance that I could tolerate was ambient music that was kind of nothingness and trance-like and would take me out of my mind. (laughs) And you're walking around with this, this like, metaphorical bomb strapped to your chest. It's like, it's motion censored it's not on a timer. It's just any any slight uptick in the breeze or or change in the lighting would be enough to set it off and completely obliterate anything in its wake, which it's, re- it's really easy to blame other people, right? Like, I could blame my boyfriend for watching TV for the reason that I'm having this internal meltdown. That's ridiculous. I could... I don't know. I say... If I explode, then you explode too. And that's true. And that could have to do with blame, but it also has to do with the fact that... Um, I'm going to butcher how to pronounce his name, but Thich Nhat Hanh, the Buddhist monk. I love him. He says, uh, when we are angry, we are not lucid. And when we act in anger, we don't act... From a place of lucidity, we we're not really present, and we, we're able to to harm people very easily when we act when we're angry. And that's exactly it. If I explode, the people around me are going to be maimed by the shrapnel that comes off of whatever whatever happens to me. You know? And so this is a really horrible time, right? It's, I say, I was afraid that I would be bored, you know, when I quit drinking, when I stopped drinking, that what would I do with all my time? Because every single night was filled with me shutting off and, 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 and flipping the switch by, by drinking a whole bunch of alcohol and just turning myself off, you know? And that's what I did. I didn't participate in any sort of mentally engaging activities or physically engaging activities. I just turned myself off and enjoyed TV while I was in that state. It was nothing that was stimulating or advancing. Uh, I didn't. I couldn't read. There. I even if I had one drink, I couldn't read. Um, I'm like, hi. I'm an author. Hello. Um, you know. So. And I never understood, like, how how drinking was always this, like, f- trait of writers, like Hemingway, and, like, you just picture him with some bourbon in his hand. Like, how do you write like that? <laughs> I even had on my wall, write drunk, edit sober. And I thought that was, like, the sweetest, coolest thing. But it's, it that's not how I operated, so why did I even have that? I couldn't, I couldn't. So many people say that with crea- like creativity, people were scared that once they stopped drinking like all those um, musical artists that used to use drugs and, and alcohol um, I should just say drugs because alcohol, of course is a drug that we've been conditioned to think that somehow it's a different category um, but it's not it's it's a drug and it's one of the worst ones. So they were worried that that their creativity would cease to exist once they stopped using the substance to, quote unquote stimulate creativity, but it actually makes it less, right? It dulls us, it disconnects us from amazing ideas that flow into us all around us all the time. And when we are completely clear and 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 lucid, we get that, you know, we get we get so much inspiration all the time and it flows in and it has the ability to actually reach us because we're not numbed out from it you know we're not turned off we're we're on the lights are on so come on and visit us creative ideas right so I say I say what would I do with all my time well let me tell you I do a lot of stuff now but but back then holy crap all my time was fixated on on making sure I didn't explode. I had to make sure that I was feeding myself at regular intervals, like almost before you realize you're hungry. It's kind of the same thing as where you, you know when you have like really bad pain, menstrual cramps um, or migraine or like body pain, you know, you have really bad pain. And if you don't catch it, in time, the, the medication doesn't actually work or doesn't work well. It was like that. If I didn't eat before I was hungry, didn't predict when I would be tired, didn't predict when I was going to be thirsty or in need of rest, my, my internal world would just, it was like I fell off a cliff, you know? It was so sensitive to any internal or external stimulus that, like multiple times, um, I do shift work. Of course, so I would be driving to work around 5 p.m. for a night shift, and I wouldn't have I wouldn't have been prepared enough to eat properly and be and you know I would be getting food on my way to work like takeout or something or I would have had food prepared but I wouldn't eat it until I got to work but even during my short like eight minute commute the road rage that this would instill in me was out of control and it would destroy my mental state for the entire shift I couldn't handle it It was just, like, one person would cut me off or go too slow or, I don't know, my Bluetooth wouldn't connect to my car properly and my music wouldn't play or it was too, slightly too hot in my vehicle or slightly too cold, you know? Just, like, things that on a normal day you manage completely normally. But during this time, during post-acute withdrawal syndrome, which lasts from anywhere between 30 days after, after the substance is stopped up until um, it can last up to 90 days or two years. And I swear the worst of it was at about 45 days. 45 days sober was when it was like, what the hell is actually happening right now? And you you feel like you're on this roller coaster that's never going to end, and you didn't you didn't buy the ticket, you know. You just woke up and you were on the ride, and you're like, "What the fuck is going on here?" It's hard. It's really really hard. And I swear, this is where we the most of us we lose it. You know, we we can't take it because we have so much in our lives that that demand from us. And it's very difficult to show up as a, like, 100% um, even-keeled, resilient human during this time. It's an insane time, and you have to be kind to yourself, and you have to, you have to take care of yourself during this time, because... It is, it is so volatile, hard, dangerous, because we know what it's like to be overwhelmed. We've been overwhelmed our whole lives, that's why we turn to substances. We are trying to make ourselves feel normal when we don't, we don't, You know, after a while, we didn't even know that we were doing it. We didn't know that we were shoving all of this under the rug. We didn't even know that all of this trauma and pain existed within us because we were just numbing it out. So when we stop numbing, it's, it's incredibly difficult to, to learn what it's like To regulate without a substance. To regulate without an external something. But we must. And it is such an incredible experience. I have this poem in volume two called Dear Denise, and it, it's all about uh, missing the old days when it was really hard. And it's true, there is something really incredibly sacred about this time because it is, it is an opportunity that a lot of people don't get to really, really turn inwards while you're burning alive. For what seems like forever. But you get to really know yourself. And you start learning how to trust yourself again. Every time. You refuse the substance. You refuse the temptation. You refuse the conditioned pathway in your mind, which like, I can't even believe it's humanly possible to, to break these really hard ingrained neural pathways, but it is, and, and when we do, it's the most liberating, exhilarating experience. So for all of you, and I have a, quite a few people that I know who are, are burning alive right now, This is a magical sacred time and you have a, an incredible opportunity to really, really start choosing yourself over the things that demand of you. Because we live in a society that has conditioned us to, to equate our productivity and all these external values and to our worth. And our value, our internal value in society. Which is simply not true. You know what is valuable to society? Is you getting healthy. Is you putting yourself first now. Helping yourself. So that you can be this golden divine being that loves themselves so wholeheartedly that it spills out to everyone that you touch. And every time you choose the external over the internal, That is not an act of self-love. You are not your job. It is not your job either to run yourself ragged to the point of breaking. It is not your job to harm yourself so much in order to make other people feel like you're good enough. When you choose yourself, it gives other people permission to choose themselves too. And then we can all be these divine golden balls of light. We know guilt. We know shame more than anyone else, right? We are so hard on ourselves. We have been killing ourselves in this, like unfathomable cycle of shame and guilt and destruction. We hate ourselves for killing ourselves, and we kill ourselves for hating ourselves. It's over and over and over, and it is time to stop it. This volatility that you feel during post-acute withdrawal syndrome, it is not you. It is your beautiful brain and your beautiful body just getting back to normal, and it needs time. You have to say, body, mind, I love you. You're just doing your thing. All is well, all is good. I trust you. I trust that you are just figuring, it, figuring out how to respond to things. You are just figuring out how to cope. You're just figuring out what homeostasis is now that I'm not giving you poison anymore. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry for poisoning you all this time. But we're gonna work together. We're gonna trust ourselves. We're going to love ourselves and let the process work its magic. You are growing exponentially right now. Growth is always intense and always very painful. Definitely when it's this kind of growth, because I swear there is nothing like the addiction sobriety journey. There is something intangibly magical about going from such a trapped, cyclical, destructive place and breaking that even when it gets really hard, even when your body and mind are going through this pause insanity and you fight through it and you do everything in your power to make sure that you are okay. The result All of you who have been to the other side, you know what I'm talking about. You know what it's like. It's a practice. None of us ever are done with the practice. We have to choose ourselves every day. We have to choose recovery every day. We have to choose trust Every day. I love you. I am so glad to be on this path with you. Whatever you are fighting right now. Or whatever you are blissfully enjoying right now. Because that is the other side of it, right? This like manic happiness where everything looks like it's like made of gold and diamonds and you burst into tears all the time because it feels so good. Relish it. Relish the bad. Relish the good. This is the time. Keep going. It won't always feel like this. It won't always feel this. It won't always feel like this. I promise. <laughs> Here's Shatter. Did I tell you how easy each morning is? How I feel like one of those Cosmo girls, braless, white t-shirt, baby blue panties, manicured fingers ready to tousle my perfect bedhead, dirty blonde hair as I fry eggs and sausage for us, coffee in one hand, a cheeky smile in the other. Have you noticed how short-lived that is? How the accidental drop of a knife or the TV turned up too loud breaks me? Can you tell that I walk through noon with a bomb strapped to my chest, countdown timers screaming in my ears, or the only safety is found sunken in ambient sounds and absolute stillness? Before this, I feared boredom. What would I do with all my time? Have I told you boredom no longer exists, that every moment of my day is a battle for balance? I'll avoid conversation. I'll avoid the outdoors. I'm certain that if the sun were to slip behind a cloud, that would be enough for this vest to... Well, if I explode, you explode too. Love you so much. I'll see you next time.